the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a continuation of this fascinating video series that we have titled Hermeneutical Keys. For obvious reasons, we're dealing with doctrinal or theological issues comparing the Islamic view or point of view or the Islamic worldview with the Christian worldview or the Quranic worldview and the biblical worldview. Today, we are going to talk about a very important topic, at least from a biblical standpoint, the topic of sin and the devastating impact sin had on humanity and really separating us from God right from the get-go. However, sadly, when it comes to the Islamic teaching, obviously there is a whole different point of view that is taught about that. With me here, of course, to unpack all of that for us, as always, is our dear brother, Dr. Jay Smith. Dr. Jay, thank you so much. What an amazing uh, video series. I think uh, from the interactions we're receiving in the comments, looks like people are really enjoying it. And that's for obvious reasons. We are touching on very important topics that can open the door for dialogue between Christians and Muslims. That's my hope. What about sin, Dr. Jay? I mean, of course, I know what Islam teaches because I grew up learning it. But what about sin? Okay, and this is amazing because this also comes down to the whole context of relationship. Remember, the whole thing, the key that we're looking for in every one of these categories, we're losing Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. God is there. He's in relationship with Adam and Eve. He's walking and talking in the cool of the day. He's calling out, where are you? Because he wants to retain that relationship that has been broken. What has been broken? Sin. But hold on a minute. Let's ask what Islam can do, how they view sin. When you look at sin in Islam, you will see that sin really are do's and don'ts. That's right. And it's a whole litany. Am I correct, Al-Fari? A whole litany of what you must do, what you must not do for 24-7. How you That's walk, right. talk, eat, drink, sleep. And, and sometimes it's not even clear in the Quran. So you have scholars who have to reinterpret things for you or come up with rulings and all, uh, I mean, and a whole list of things. In other words, it becomes a man-made kind of like mandates at the end of the day. In fact, I would suggest, and see if I'm right, Al-Fadi, see if you agree. I would suggest that Islamic view of sin is symptomatic of every religion made by man. Every religion made by man. See if I'm correct. All your animistic traditions, Hinduism, all the other, Buddhism, and all the rest, they all start from the premise that we must work off our sin by placating God, by doing good deeds. And so for a Muslim, they believe that when we are born, we're born with a recording angel that sits on our right shoulder, and it records the baraka, 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 all the good deeds, the blessings uh, throughout your life. Meanwhile, another angel is given to us at childbirth who sits on the left shoulder, 
and he's recording all your sins, all your bad deeds, your good deeds versus bad deeds, credits, debits, much like a bank account. Am I correct, Al-Fadi? Absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, I love what you said, brother, about the fact that it's symptomatic of all other religions. Look what the Apostle Paul, by the way, said to the church in Colossae, the, the Colossian uh, church in his letter to uh, the Colossian, uh, uh, to the uh, Colossians, I should say, he actually attacked their intention to listen to false teachers to do religious activities versus being free in Christ. Look what he says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. See to it that there is no one who takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception in accordance with, notice, human tradition, in accordance with elementary principles of the world, rather than in accordance with Christ. For in him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him, you have been made complete. And he is the head over every ruler and authority. And in him, you were also circumcised with circumcision performed without hands, meaning the heart, basically, in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him, through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in your wrongdoings and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our wrongdoings, having canceled the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities. He made a public display of them, shamed them, basically having triumphed over them through him. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regards to food and drink or in respect to festivals or new moon or Sabbath day, things which are only a shadow of what is to come. Notice he's talking about Islam right here. Have you noticed, though, what he is saying is the solution in every case in him, in him, right. in him. Right. Sin, in this case, is not eradicated by what we do. Have you noticed? There's That's not right. a thing we can do to eradicate our sin. I think Muslims know there is sin. Of course there is. These are the bad things. These are the don'ts. These are the things that you should be doing. How do you get rid of them? You do good deeds. We, we, we have to do that placate them. And that's what every man-made religion that Paul's talking about here, that's what every man-made religion, until you get to the Bible. Judaism and Christianity realize that this is much deeper than just good deeds and bad deeds. This is something that there's not a thing we can do about it. Remember, when God was there walking and talking to the cool of the day, and he realized that there, there had been one disobedient, one sin, one sin is what eradicated everything. What did God have to do? Well, he had to confront Adam and Eve. That's right. And what did he do? He had to throw them out of his presence. And they, they had tried to be thrown out of his presence. That's right. Now they that, tried okay, religion. Remember? This. They tried religion. They covered themselves. That's religion. You want to cover oh, yourself. They tried to cover themselves, but they had, no longer could be walking and talking to the Guru Day. Are you following this? Look what sin has done. Muslims have never picked this up. Every conversation I've had with them, they just think, oh, it's just good deeds, bad deeds, good deeds, and I'll be good. By the time I get to 40, I'll have so many good deeds. I have so much butter, 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 that I'm sure that I'm going to make it across over that razor-sharp bridge into, into paradise. I don't know. I have no idea whether I made it, but I'm sure I'm going to do it because I'm a good man. I'm a good man. Folks, right. 
Only one sin is all it took. Only one sin to throw out us out of God's presence. At one time, we were in God's presence. But if you don't know that, if you're a Muslim, you never see us in God's presence. You don't even know what sin has done. You have no idea of the heinousness of sin. You have no idea what sin has done. Sin has destroyed that relationship, has destroyed us walking and talking in the cool of the day, has destroyed us walking face to face with God. That's the heinous of sin. That's the enormity of sin. No wonder everything was imputed with that sin. Now it says there in Genesis 3 that now there was thorns and thistles. That means it also imputed on all, all, of, all of creation. All of creation was impacted by that one sin. Also, women now would have childbirth pain. It impact on even on birth. But most important, the most important part is that no longer could Adam and Eve be in God's presence. Now, I've heard Muslims say, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. Are you saying that, therefore, that the sin, that one sin that they did, imputed not only on them, imputed on us? That is unfair. That makes no sense. And you have two scriptures in the Quran that also support that. In chapter 6, verse 164, and in chapter 53, verse 38 in the Quran, it's very clear that the guilt of one, that the guilt of the one cannot be put on the guilt of another. We cannot take on the guilt of another, is what it says. Right. That's really to confront this whole idea that we are taking on the sin of Adam and Eve. But let me ask you, let me tell you, Muslims, I can shut that down very quickly just by going to one verse in your Quran, chapter 7, verse 24. In your Quran, chapter 7, verse 24, if you don't like the idea that we're imputed with Adam and Eve's sin, then let me ask you, you Muslims, are you up in heaven right now? I'm sorry, are you up in the Garden of Eden right now? Right. No, none of you in the Garden of Eden because of chapter 7, verse 24. Adam and Eve were thrown out of the Garden of Eden, and so were all of you thrown out of the Garden of Eden. Every one of you was imputed with Adam and Eve's sin, according to chapter 7, verse 24. So that idea of original sin is endemic to the Quran as well. But how do you get back into the Garden of Eden? By simply doing good deeds, good deeds, good deeds. If one sin threw them out of the Garden of Eden, and you do sins all day long, and I do sins all day long, we're all full of sin. There's no way we could get back to there. There's not a thing we can do let me repeat that there's not a thing we can do but that's why i love genesis 3 because in verse 15 after he condemns adam and eve and he says you're now going to be thrown out of my presence you can no longer be in the garden of Eden anymore you can no longer be walking and talking to me there's no way this relationship can, can continue why because god is so holy how do i know that habakkuk chapter 1 verse 13 god is so holy that he cannot look upon one sin one sin not even one sin. That's how holy God is. God cannot even have one sin in his presence. We have a holy God on this side. So holy that even one sin is too much for a holy God. Therefore, he had, we had to be thrown out of God's presence. But he turns to Adam and Eve. And this is what a loving father would do. This is what a daddy would do. He turns to Eve there in verse 50. And he says to Eve, from your line, from your line has to be a woman's line. Why? Because woman is the first to sin. So therefore, it was through woman that sin came into the world. It will be through another woman that sin will be eradicated. So it has to be from Eve's line. He says from your line, he, that means it's going to be a male, is going to come. That means in the future. And he's going to crush the head of Satan. That means he's going to destroy sin. But Satan is going to bruise his heel. But he's going to be wounded. He's going to be wounded. Folks, this is what we're talking about. In order for sin to be eradicated, you cannot work it off by just doing good deeds, good deeds, good deeds, because we're all sinful. 
God gave the solution. That's what a loving father would do. That's what a loving daddy would do. That's what a relational God would do. He gave the solution, and he did it in the same scenario where he condemned his dad in need. So we've got to find out who is this who's going to come in the line of Eve? Who is this that he's talking about? Who is this male that's going to crush the head of Satan? Amen. Folks, that's for the next episode. We're going to get into the next episode. We're going to talk about this is called atonement, which I know Muslims do not like. But I love it because I want to get back in relationship with God again. And I can't do it because I'm sinful. I've got to go to God. And God's going to provide the solution. And it's in the next episode. And this is a good segue because right there in chapter 3, look what it says in verse 20. Now the man named his wife Eve because she was the mother of all the living. And look what God did. And the Lord God made garments of skin. Right here, there is substitutionally atonement. He has to slaughter an animal and put the skin covering on them. What did Jesus do? We became the righteousness of God because he gave us that covering. And of course, in Islam, I used to think of good deeds, good deeds, good deeds, and there is minor sin and major sin and whatever the case might be. Look what God says in the book of Isaiah. Your righteous deeds are like filthy rags. These are the righteous ones, by the way. The good deeds are like filthy rags. Imagine what would happen if there is more than just righteous deeds, how they would look like. In addition to that, what my brother was mentioning here uh, about the fact that the Quran confront the idea no one can carry the sin of another will, the Quran says, meaning the bearer of burden cannot bury the burdens of another. So you're a sinner already, according to that verse. It tells you you're a sinner. But the Quran acknowledged that Jesus was sinless, Zakiah. That's on. why he can We're going to get into that Amen. next episode. Amen. Amen. So thank you, uh, brother. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And I hope that you're beginning to see the big picture. I would really call it the chain to salvation here because we want you to share it in this logical order in your interactions with our Muslim friends. Until next episode, God bless you all. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back after this message. You're listening to Let Us Reason with Al Fadi. We depend on the generous gifts of our supporters to produce this program. To join us in this work, go to patreon.com and search for CIRA International. That's C-I-R-A International. You can also donate through PayPal. Go to CIRAInternational.com to learn more. Your support will help us continue introducing Muslims to the gospel of Christ. Now, back to Let Us Reason. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a continuation of this fascinating video series on what we call hermeneutical keys, which is a comparison between the Christian worldview versus the Islamic worldview on different topics. Today, we're going to talk about the topic of atonement. In fact, it will be uh, uh, right to do and say that we are dealing with two different atonement. And with me here, of course, to uh, unpack that, is our dear brother, Dr. J. Smith. Dr. J., thank you again for being here with us. And indeed, so far, we made a case, you made a strong case, when comparing the God of Islam to the God of the Bible, when comparing sin in Islam to the sin of the Bible, when comparing relationships and the Trinity and all uh, aspects of uh, doctrinal issues. What about atonement? Again, this is what's amazing because even in this category is all about relationship. It's all about a God who's in relationship with us. That's why Muslims cannot understand the need for atonement. It's very clear in the Quran, you don't need atonement because everybody's sin is they bear themselves. Everybody is responsible for their own sin. 
chapter 6, verse 164, and chapter 53, verse 38, say very clearly that nobody can pay for another sin. But let's, let's just read them and unpack those two, those two verses, because people misread them all the time. This is what it says in chapter 6, verse 164. Say, shall I seek a Lord other than Allah while he is the Lord of all things? No person earns any except against himself, and no bearer of burden shall bear the burden of another. All right, did you get that? Read it as it is. That's right. You can't accept the sins of another, but no bearer of burdens, that means someone who bears that sin, someone who's already sinful, their bearer of burdens, can bear the burden of another. So a sinful person cannot bear your sins, is what that's saying. Chapter 53, verse 38, very similar, that no burdened person, and in parentheses, they emphasize with sins, shall bear the burden of another. Bingo, that's exactly what we've been all trying to tell Muslims. They keep on using those two verses and say, no, we can't be imputed with Adam and Eve's sin. Jesus cannot come and take on our sins because nobody can take on our sins. We've got to take on our own sin. That's not what those two verses are saying. Those verses are saying nobody who's already sinful, bearer of burdens, who, who has sinful burdens, they cannot take on our sins, which is true. And I bear burdens. I am sinful. So are you. Everybody is sinful. Therefore, none of us can take on our own sins. Yet, according to the Bible, it's very clear that the wages of sin is death. It's very clear in the Bible. On a number of places, you have uh, Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 20. You have Romans chapter 6, verse 23, that sin uh, equals death, that anybody that is sinful has to die. And what's more, that in order for those who are sinful, if you are sinful, then you need atonement. There are about 79 times in the Old Testament that talks about the need for atonement, need for atonement, once in the New Testament. Leviticus chapter 4, verse 21. Uh, we also have verse 26, verse 35, all talk about the need for atonement. And it says in Leviticus chapter 17 that the way for atonement, the way that atonement can be eradicated or done, uh, eradicate sin through atonement, there must be bloodshed, there must be life given, there must be a life given. But whose life? Whose blood? Well, the Bible is very clear, not my blood, not your blood, because we're sinful, just like the Quran says. I mean, the, sin, the Quran gets that correct. We can't atone for anybody else. We can't even atone for ourselves because we are bur bearer of burdens. We are sinful. Well, what I like to do, and this is what I love to do with Muslims, because Muslims right now, they sacrifice goats at Eid, Mubarak, and they're always sacrificing goats. And I always ask Muslims, well, where does that come from? Why do you sacrifice goats? And Muslims say, well, because Abraham did it. I said, okay, if Abraham did, why did he do it? And they said, well, I guess because it was a, it was a covenantal, a covenant with God and, and Abraham. And that's why the, so, the, the, the blood of the goat is the one that created that covenant. And I said, yeah, but you know the story behind it. And they never do. And I said, well, in your Quran, in chapter 10, verse 94, and in chapter 21, verse 7, it says very clearly, if you have any question, come to us. Come to the people of the book, those who have the Taurat and the Injil, those of us who have scripture from before you, because we will tell you what is exactly the reason for these stories. And I will take them right back to Genesis 15. Genesis 15 is a great story, because here is the beginning of the whole sacrificial system. It's the first time that, uh, that Abraham is actually, God and Abraham are putting together a covenant. This is a covenant between God and Abraham. What does God do? Well, he asks Abraham to get three uh, animals and three birds and to bring them to a rock 
to kill them, to split them apart, so that the blood there would be a blood, a blood sacrifice to seal the covenant between man and God. This is the covenant between man and God initiated with Abraham. So this is the beginning of that covenant with Abraham. But look what happened. Both parties are supposed to walk between the animal and the birds to seal that covenant. There's the blood covenant. But what does God do? God puts Abraham to sleep and does not let Abraham go through. Whereas only God goes through as a fiery brand. So at the very beginning, the whole idea of this covenant between God and man, God is saying that man cannot fulfill this covenant or any covenant. Man cannot because we are sinful. It has to be he who was sinned against. And it is only God that is going to go through. Now, what's fascinating to me, what is this referring to and who is this referring to? Remember what we said in the previous episode that we talked about where God turns towards Eve there in chapter 3 and verse 15. And he says, and Al-Fadi brought up the, later on in verse 20, 21, that you have that a sacrifice had to be given so they could be clothed, so they could fulfill the, even their covenant with him. Remember, that was a sacrifice from the very beginning, because you have, in order to have skin, you have to have, you have, to have an animal that was sacrificed. Right. In this case, you can see that the whole, the whole sacrificial system was predicated on the notion that man cannot fulfill his facade of the sacrifice. Only right. God can fulfill this sacrifice. That's why many of you Muslims, when you go to get a goat, what do you do? You want to go get an unblemished goat. And when I ask you, why are you getting a boat with a goat with no blemish on it? You tell me it's because Abraham was demanded he get an unblemished goat. I said, well, why do you think Abraham was asked to do that? And you don't know. Well, I say, I'll tell you why. Because that blem blemish means it's the perfect sacrifice. It is the righteous sacrifice. It means it has to be someone who has no sin. And who has no sin but God himself? Therefore, it has to be God himself. And here is where it all started, starting right back in Genesis 15. Can you see, therefore, that in order to understand atonement, you need to go back and look at scripture that introduces atonement and introduces the blood sacrifice. Blood has to be given. Death has to be given. Sorry, blood has to be shed. That blood is not just anybody's blood, nor that death is not anybody's death. It has to be he who sinned against. Who do you think was sinned against there in the Garden of Eden? It was God that was sinned against the garden. Okay. Every sin that we have, there are two different kinds of sin. There is the horizontal sin and there is the vertical sin. Horizontally, we sin against each other all the time, and we therefore ask forgiveness, and we're forgiven of that sin. But every time we sin against everyone and every sin we do in private, who else are we sinning against? We're sinning against God. There's the vertical aspect of that, that sin. How does that get forgiven? How do you get forgiven of that vertical? Because God is impacted by every sin because he is so holy. He cannot have sin in his presence. Psalm 77 talks about this. Psalm 99 talks about this. Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 13 shows how holy he is. How do we then get back into a holy God's presence? How do we get into walking and talking in the cool of the day like our paradigm is talking about or our key is referring to? That has to be something that we can't do as God was showing Abraham here, right there in Genesis 50. This is not something you can do, Abraham. You're going to have to let me do this. This is me who's going to have to do that. But how is that going to have to happen? Well, in order for that to have to happen, I'm going to have to come towards you. I'm going to have to come to you. That means the incarnation is going to be something that's, it's come, that's going to have to be done. I'm going to have to take that sin upon myself. Now, that leads us into the next episode, because the next episode unpacks exactly what did happen. But see, all these things, all the way through history, 
You can see from the very beginning, God had it already set up. That's what a relational God would do. That's what a God who's our daddy would already do. He already knew that this sin is going to have to be taken care of. Adam and Eve were the ones that initiated, which impacted on all humanity, on all creation, and certainly on us as uh, relational with God and man. That impacted all of us. We are all imputed. We talked about the imputation. Muslims, you have to agree you're imputed as well because you're not up in that Garden of Eden. It's in space. So therefore, I want to get back up to that Garden of Eden. I want to get back with God again. I want to get back in with talking in face-to-face, but I can't do it. Not on my own. doesn't matter how much good deeds I do. Baraka, 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 baraka. I cannot do it because I'm sinful. It has to be the sinless one. Who is that sinless one? What is it that we're talking about? Well, God gives us little little keys all the way through history. We're going to get to that next. That's the next episode, and that has to do with the incarnation. Because I want to know who that was that God was referring to in the Garden of Eden, there with Adam and Eve, in verse 15, when he said to Eve, someone is going to come from your line. It has to be a woman. He is going to crush Satan's head. It's Satan who brings in, is the initiator of sin. It is Satan who needs to be eradicated, and someone's going to have to do that but it has to come through Eve's line. You want to know who that is? Hold on. We're going to talk about him next. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. This is Al-Fadi. God bless you. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 